So after my parents gave me the okay, I went to my aunt's house because she was a huge horror fan. I just took stacks of tapes and borrowed them and just watched them. I can't even remember all I watched. For nearly 40 years, this story has given faithful service to the young in heart. Welcome to the Fangirl Hour, the podcast where we dive deep into the reasons why we love our fave fandom. Time has been powerless to put its kindly philosophy out of fashion. To those of you who have been faithful to it in return, and to the young in heart, we dedicate this podcast. Please go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us all about who you are. Who is this person? I am uh, Wes Christie. Um, I work with Cafe Girl on with many roles. Um, and uh, today we're going to talk about uh, one of my fandoms of mm-hmm. horror stories. Yeah. Not, so, okay. Oh, sorry. Go on. Oh, no, I was going to say it's not just, it's kind of stories is broad range, but it's because I'm fan of it in a lot of different formats mm-hmm. so it's not just movies or books or you know it's not one thing it's it encompasses like all stories yeah all media yeah Whether that's all written media, or... mm-hmm. media. Mm-hmm. so why don't you uh tell about the cer- certain things you've done through cafe girl productions uh specifically because i think that touches into the horror stories a little bit well, I mean, I started as a set photographer mm-hmm. and as time went by, started helping out more and more. And then we talked about filming a movie that I've been trying to tell a similar story for, well, like 13 years now, mm-hmm. I think. And it started with a, a horror movie we tried to film here at a, in such a point, there was like an old restaurant the Mon Desir those of you that are local will might know what that is and before it burnt down we filmed we tried to film a horror movie out there and then there was some on-set drama and I'll get into that but um, we'll we lost all the footage and then the building was gone so we couldn't go back to it and retry again and so I rewrote it to just be because the way the story is going to play out there's three like three vignettes in the movie I wrote and directed one. And so I've taken that story and tried to redo it several times. And now we're now we're working on um, Guilt, which is the final version of the story I've rewritten. And it's still in rewrites, but it's definitely a lot closer to what I want in a movie. And so and then working with Cafe Girls helped me like rekindle a fire that I thought went out for making movies. That's really good to hear. Um, and I'm excited. I'm very excited about guilt, um, specifically because it's an all-female cast. Well, not all-female, but main cast is female. Yeah, but there's a, there's something else that you did that's maybe it's more on the thriller. I don't know if it's necessarily horror, but the talk about the one-person cast a little bit, if you want. Yeah, I um, it's been kind of on hiatus for a little bit. But um, last year, when the pandemic hit and we were all isolating, I was trying to think of ways to still create like an audio or visual medium to tell stories. And it was kind of hard to get everybody together and recording remotely works like obviously, because that's what we're doing here. But I felt like we wouldn't get the performances out of everyone that we wanted if they weren't reacting. And so then I thought about it and like, there's 
a bunch of people out there, like a bunch of actors that just play multiple roles in a movie. Like, I mean, some prime examples are like Eddie Murphy in Coming to America or Nutty Professor. Of course, these are all comedies, but the idea struck me like, maybe I could try to make radio, like radio dramas, but I'll play all the characters. Mm-hmm. Or one person plays all the characters. It wasn't necessarily me, although mm-hmm. I, it started with just me. Mm-hmm. And I looked up like radio dramas. I really enjoy them because it, you don't have to, you only have to engage your ear and your brain. So if you're doing a menial task, you like, and you have to see it, you can't pay attention to a screen. You can just listen to the drama and it's kind of like an audiobook. Um, mm-hmm. except for, you know, there's no like text in there. It's just all people acting and reacting. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it helps, like it drives a little bit more for the horror element because you cannot see, you have to imagine what's going on. So when they see something that's scary, your mind's going to fill in the blanks and it's going to fill in the blanks the way that you're afraid. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like it would hit home a little bit more. And, and so with that idea in mind, I started looking up old radio dramas and found out that a lot of them are in the public domain. Mm-hmm. And like the scripts are, you can perform them without having to go through all the legal and licensing stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I found a couple simple ones and I've done three now and then our friend Nolan she's done one that was the last one that we did it was a a story she wrote about the origin of Stingy Jack Mm -hmm. and she did such a phenomenal job with the voice acting and she really like it was just amazing to hear her play all these characters and then I was told by a few other people that it was kind of the same feeling they got when they heard me play all the characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it really, I really enjoyed doing that. And it was, um, so that was like one facet of horror that really stuck with me. And it's one that I'm still continuing. I've now rewrote a short story mm-hmm. that I did in high school and I rewrote it into a radio play. Nice. And so hopefully I'll be able to perform that for one person cast here soon. So um, where, how many episodes are there? I think there's like four. And I can yeah. say I've listened to all of them and have enjoyed all of them and have enjoyed just watching this or watching or listening to this unfold. And it's also really interesting because Nolan, we had done her Stingy Jack, The Legend of Stingy Jack as a full radio play a few years ago. So it was cool to see the two different versions of it. And something that she's really passionate about that's like her baby and to see her do it in two different versions is really cool so yeah where where can they find it i mean we're we're talking about the fangirl hour but why not we just we'll just plug this a little bit too it's the same <laughs> yeah of course so yeah it's a if you're interested it's on spotify under one person cast i'm gonna mm-hmm. see a little blue icon with racky on it yeah and, and it's like- also on cast box and I think yeah. probably a couple other things too. I know I saw it have it on my cast box too. I think uh, what was the other Podbean? I don't know. We'll have a, a link, I'm sure, somewhere. Yeah, I it. can get the anchor, whatever, the anchor link. Okay, so let's go on to talk about your fandom for today. Uh, the question I have for you: We know that it's horror stories of multimedia's. Um, not multimedia, but multi-versions of media. How did you come to love this and what is your background or history with this fandom? So my parents went through this brief phase where we were going to church and 
the people there were talking about how horror and stories like that are evil. Mm-hmm. And my parents kind of, excuse the um, analogy here, kind of drank the Kool-Aid, mm-hmm. which is a reference to another horrible thing in history. But mm-hmm. um, And so for a brief time, we weren't allowed to watch or read or do anything that had anything to do with like anything spooky and mm-hmm. at the time I was like in first grade mm-hmm. second grade and it there wasn't a lot for me then at that age that was age appropriate but I remember I wasn't allowed to read goosebumps and <laughs> the funny thing about that is that those are not those are a giant joke they're they're comedy horror mm-hmm. written for kids so they weren't anything too scary and they always had a punchline. And so, like, when my mom finally read one of them, she's like, why did I stop you from reading this? Mm-hmm. And then, like, they gave that whole thing up. We stopped going to that church, and they, you know, opened up their minds a bit. But horror movies were still off limits because they didn't want us having nightmares, which my brother used to get quite badly. I was never as bad. But, you know, we were so close in age that it just made more sense for them to say, hey, you guys can't watch them until you're older. Mm-hmm. And while at school and things, like, I'd find books on, like, real hauntings Mm -hmm. and stuff. And so, like, I knew I was going to enjoy horror movies. Like, that was just a thing that I thought in my mind when I first went into a rental movie store. It's like, you know what? I think I would enjoy watching these. But, of course, I couldn't. Well, then I turned 12, and my parents realized that it probably wasn't going to give me nightmares. And it probably wasn't going to give my brother nightmares anymore. And he didn't really care at the time. He's kind of into those things now but at the time he was just like whatever so after my parents gave me the okay I went to my aunt's house because she was a huge horror fan and just took stacks of tapes and borrowed them and just watched them I can't even remember all I watched the Mm -hmm. only one that really stood out to me was Friday the 13th Hmm. why is that I think it's the twist at the end like I never really experienced that with horror stories like the ones I've read were real hauntings and then goosebumps which was just a you know a joke mm-hmm. I never experienced a twist at the end mm-hmm. in that way mm-hmm. and it's what 40 40 years old now like mm-hmm. the movie or older and I uh believe that <laughs> and um so I think everybody knows what the twist is like so you know it's it's it wasn't Jason that was in the movie killing people you know mm-hmm. it was another character so I, I you know in case somebody hasn't seen it and they're off chance and they want to I don't want to spoil it but that mm-hmm. it, the, I learned about the series because I saw somebody wearing the hockey mask and I thought you know I kind of started to associate the two so I assumed the whole series was Jason in the hockey mask but I was wrong and it, like the twist at the end really like it was like holy crud like that's amazing and so Mm -hmm. I started trying to find ones like that and over time like it you know it it really colored how I wrote stories or how I thought of stories or the books I would read like I would pick them up based on like I would judge a book by its cover but like this one looks scary I'm gonna read it (laughs) and then uh, as years went by and the internet came more popular in people's homes and stuff I was able to look up stories and things and One thing that I always did, like even in like starting in high school was I would write scary stories. Uh, Sometimes it was just for me, like nobody else read them. And sometimes they were for class projects and stuff. And so like, it really, like my mom and dad tell me I couldn't watch horror movies kind of made me, I think, want to watch them. Like, you know, forbidden, you can't do that. Okay, I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what started it kind of like, that's what got 
people want to see them mm-hmm. more solidly. And then when I was able to, I just really enjoyed the stories being told. Mm-hmm. Over time, I've refined like what type of horror movies I do enjoy watching. Mm. So what and, are those? Uh, so like, I really like ghost stories. Those are my favorite. Like I, re- I read about hauntings and um, I watch ghost hunting shows sometimes, which mm-hmm. they're, they're ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And some of the stuff you're like, oh, that's totally fake or they're seeing things, but you know, it's still fun. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always on the look for a good, like haunting story. Mm-hmm. And the unfortunate thing is, is that the medium in just the easily accessible ones have beat that like haunted house idea to death horror movie reference there and uh it's hard for me to find ones that I think are really good and would recommend to other people mm-hmm. um because I've you know but I've gotten less picky like again like I kind of swung like there when I first started making movies I had this mentality of like my horror movies were going to be smart and cerebral and like <laughs> you know and then like if any movie did not like make me think I didn't want to see it mm-hmm. like and then over time, it was like, well, that's not what these things are about. Like, there are movies like that, and there are stories like that. But, you know, sometimes horror is just about scaring people. And sometimes you scare them with ridiculous stuff. Yeah. Um, what about, uh, you created something else on YouTube last year. And oh, that, yeah. that goes along with your haunting idea. You want to talk that's, about that? Yeah. Um, I created a character named Trent, who is a ghost hunter. And I haven't done much with the character yet, but... The idea is that he's kind of just a, a bumbling idiot, but with like a heart of gold, like he, you know, I kind of want to do like a mock ghost hunter show where like, instead of him yelling at people being afraid, he's like consoling, even though he's, you know, a dummy. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. I, but like, there's some short vignettes I thought of that, you know, just kind of shows how not only is he kind of just a little dumb, he also is very inobservant. So like the idea might be that he'll see scary stuff, but he'll be like, what now nah, it was a bird you know and there's like a ghost like right over his shoulder mm, and, you know, yeah. it's, it's horror comedy yeah and I actually got the idea because during quarantine part of last year I was also watching all these like lists of like real ghosts caught on film and stuff mm. and working with special effects and stuff for horror films like I have done like little shorts and stuff here and there I've gotten pretty good at spotting the ones that are obviously fake <laughs> I'm sitting there in my chair yelling at the TV like you would at a movie theater going, oh, that was totally not real. (laughs) And so then I got, you know, like, but what if I had a character that believed all this stuff? And then I kind of developed it from there that like he's he wants to see all this stuff and it's all around him, but Mm -hmm. he doesn't always see it. Mm -hmm. So so the next question I have for you, and that's on YouTube, right? Ghost. Yeah, I will be once I get more like solid ideas and filmed, I yeah. I think There'll there's on. one episode, right? On the, yeah, this is yeah. one little like teaser clip mm-hmm. that I recorded in my bedroom at like 2 a.m. <laughs> and yeah, it was a lot of fun. But it was pretty funny because I I I remember he tried to call the the friend of his to ask about using another camera or something, and she's like, "You're using another camera. <laughs> You're using the phone." Oh. Yeah, so. and then the one one on my phone, like I got it on my phone, and I'm recording with my other. Yeah, that was. Yeah. That was pretty silly. So here's your here's your here's your next question. If you're ready for it, what has been the best part of being a fan of this? I think it's just how much it inspires me mm-hmm. to write different stories. Like mm-hmm. I just wrote one, a short story, kind of based on Annabelle, mm-hmm. but like 
one idea I always like to play around with is, and it's something that I don't see in horror movies a lot, is where the evil is misunderstood. Like they think that this thing is there and it's going to hurt them, but it's not what it's there for. Or that's not why that this thing is coming to them. It's like they're afraid of it, but it's a omen or a harbinger or, you know. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm watching movies and stuff, and if it doesn't end the way I want it to, or it doesn't end the way I think I felt like it should have, like to make me happy, mm-hmm. I'll start taking that, uh, that the core theme and playing with it in my head. And so there are movies out there that I consider my absolute favorite movies and they're terrible. Hmm. They're just downright awful. They are, they look like they were just low effort things made by people, but it inspired me. So it automatically goes on my list of favorites. Mm, interesting. So like, I really, that's why I just, I kind of eat up all these other horror stories because I'm hoping again to get inspired to do my next thing or to come up with a new idea. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, the whole twist at the end of Friday the 13th has colored a lot of my like stories, like the way they end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And pretty much on just the one note, like, bam, you find out it's there and you're done. But yeah, that's, I think that's my favorite part of it. And also I've met quite a few people like that do like just cool stuff like, I've met some makeup artists that do amazing work. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, none of them are in the area. So, you know, don't get to work with them now. But, you know, I've met some pretty awesome people from it. But, yeah, I would just say that probably the inspiration is why I still enjoy the medium. Okay, so that that leads me on to the next question. What has been your most memorable moment? Well, since I already talked about the Friday the 13th one, there is another uh, twist at the end of a movie. And this movie's been out for, shoot, I think it's like 20 years or so now. Mm -hmm. And that's Saw. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was a psychological slash like gore film, like, but it had a lot of like psychological stuff in it. And through the whole thing, like the acting all felt very much like crappy 80s acting like for horror movies like the mm-hmm. really independent ones and the acting's just not that great because these people did it in the hours they had at night and they were mm-hmm. probably exhausted and and I didn't realize at the time that it was kind of just an homage to that like genre like that subgenre like 80s horror movies have their own like subgenre mm-hmm. in the whole horror pantheon and so I'm watching it thinking man this is kind of lame and then the big twist happened at the end. I think I actually stood up in the theater and went, no way. <laughs> like, no. And I, and that was, that's another thing that has inspired me too with those is that there, that show, that movie, there's all kinds of things that reveal the twist at the mm-hmm. end and they're peppered through the whole movie. They're not, they're, they don't draw attention to them. And so that's also colored like the way I have, I want to do horror movies like there's going to be things in the background you know (laughs) you're gonna be like wait did I really see that and that's I mean that's the hope the feeling I get from people's like what was that something because I I, like with Saw now that I know that's in there I watch movies a little more closely to see if I can spot those before the end yeah so that was that one there also really that and the grudge like those were some things that (laughs) yeah tell me about the grudge uh that was another one I think I stood up in the theaters for, not the twist at the end. It was actually the very first shot. Probably one of the reasons why cinematography in horror movies is important to me is because in the scene, the character gets up in the attic and she's like 
looking around with a lighter and she spins all the way around and she comes back to where she was and there's the ghost. And it made almost all of us in the theater jump, especially since, you know, a bunch of people screamed. And I just remember that I liked that too, like where it was like everything safe. Nope, not anymore. And the original version of the ghosts in my, the movies I've written, starting with the Monde Jour, she was heavily inspired by the, yeah, the, that type of ghost, which is actually from Japanese folklore, I just learned. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the name of the type of spirit, but she's always portrayed with long, straight black hair. Okay. And while I'm not going to do that, like, I, I have different ideas for how entities are going to look in future movies, guilt. I want to try to stay away from that because like it's been done a lot mm-hmm. and even on movies that have no ties to Japanese horror uses that mm-hmm. particular image mm-hmm. and so I'm going to try to avoid doing that in the future just because of that but like the cinematography in those movies and the ones that inspired in the states are another big influence on me on and changed how I well how I write screenplays really mm-hmm. And why I want to get more into the cinematography of horror movies, um, because I feel like that's probably the most important factor in trying to scare someone mm-hmm. is the cinematography. Right. Because right. if you just do it like, I mean, not to pan on them because they did really good job with so little, but like the paranormal activity movies, the cinematography is boring because of the way it, it's supposed to be. It's all done with security cameras and camcorders and it's supposed to look like a home movie mm-hmm. so those are interesting in their own right but like I feel like in order to really scare people with certain things like if that's your end goal mm-hmm. then you need to just make sure you have some good cinematography yeah and that's definitely a skill you have both with your photography and with this uh, filmmaking I know that I've learned a lot from just being on set with you and watching you on camera so I know that, and I can see you continually to grow there. So let's go, I've got another question for you, if you can answer this. What is maybe the horror film or story that you like the least and why? I'm not a big fan of body horror. Okay. Like, it just, it's, I mean, there's something to be said about like gore and there's some body horror that's all right, but like movies like Slither or, trying to think of a good example, Human Centipede, Mm -hmm. like they're, they're not intended to scare anybody they're just putting as much gore as they can on screen Mm, okay and they're like splatter films but splatter films were a different thing from a a different area Mm -hmm. and they're just as gory i i tend to like not to say there isn't a place for gore and there are some that are okay because i believe one of the horror movies i just watched one it actually is up on my list now it's uh, called malignant and it's by the same guy who wrote and directed um he co-wrote and directed saw Mm -hmm. And that could be considered body horror, but I really enjoyed that movie. So there is a place for it, but like when I'm looking for a horror movie, just trying to find one and not like, you know, really like trying to find a good one, I will usually avoid body horror. And then I also don't like um, ones that are more like sex driven. Mm. Like I don't know why there's no trauma there or anything for me, but like sex scenes in movies make me uncomfortable. Okay. And so like if there's a real sex centric plot, I probably won't watch it unless it's like with someone else that says, hey, we should watch this. It's not something I seek out and mm-hmm. look for. So what did you think of uh, Blair Witch Project? I've heard that people have a positive or negative reactions to that. I'm curious as to what you thought of that film. 
So the film in itself, like if you just take and watch the film, to me, it's not very exciting. It's very dull. And they build all the tension based on the characters fighting, which is a different type of tension than what is in a in like a horror situation. So like if you're the tension you feel from being scared is different than the tension you feel when somebody's fighting around you. Mm-hmm. And so I think the Blair Witch tried to blend those two. Mm-hmm. and it just didn't have enough going on on screen to really make it that interesting however i do actually enjoy the movie because i like what they did with how little they had mm-hmm. and that always impresses me when i see a movie that still manages to be tangible and have you know certain moments like i said it was boring and like just watching it but like the idea of like the very ending like the creepy stuff that happens at the very end um that like i'm always impressed when i see movies that do that so like that's what impressed me about it like watching it again later it's not something i'll probably rewatch a whole lot but i am impressed with what they did mm-hmm. and i still like found footage films because of that if i hadn't watched it and was never like kind of caught into that i probably would have never even bothered with paranormal activity or which that one is i actually like blair Witch better than that one because i think there's more going on in the Blair Witch than in Paranormal Activity. So tell me about uh, how has this fandom helped you throughout your life? I know you already talked a little bit about that, but you could go more into that. And then how have you grown as a person by being part of this fandom? So, I mean, it's it's a coping, like it's a coping thing for me too, to write stories in my head, like all the time. Even if they never make it a paper, I do that. And so like horror kind of helps me escape I guess. I mean, that's kind of what everybody, like, that's what most people do when they go into a film is they use it to kind of just escape a little. Um, And horror has helped me with that. And it's also helped me, I think, like, with some anger issues I had when I was younger. Like, I kind of feel like watching these movies and seeing how some of these people react to the things happening to them. And sometimes it's like, yeah, go on, you know, cheering for them. And then sometimes it's like, I don't ever want to be that person. And so I feel like it's helped there. And then it's also been kind of cathartic sometimes to come up with these stories. Like when I am angry and stuff, it just kind of gets my aggression out in the story in a way. So that's kind of how that's, I mean, it's helped me with that. Like it's just been one facet of dealing with issues I had when I was younger, right. um, with like anger and patience and things like that. But I think it's also helped me continue to love to create. While I credit you guys a lot with rekindling my want to be a filmmaker, I feel like I was... I was still able to stoke the flames a bit further after you guys rekindled the fire with more movies. And I know that I've always wanted to just create. I just wanted to tell stories from a very early age. And I feel like it's helped me continue to want to do that. If that makes sense. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, So in closing, do you have any last words you need to, you want to share and if people have this burning desire to find out more about Wes Christie, how may they do that? Where may they find you? Well, my name is pretty easy. Like it's West, like the direction, and it's Christie, which I explain is Christ with a Y. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so, I mean, um, I'm on Facebook. Uh, there's West Christie Photography. And then also we have the Guilt page and the Cafe Girl page. There's a lot of, there's, my bios are up on there too. And the um, one person cast. Page. and the one person cast yeah um yeah if you look that up you can find that on facebook also mm-hmm. uh the one person cast and that also has links to all of our other projects too like the facebook page for guilt and this podcast 
And I imagine you have a page for this, don't you? Uh, it's on connected to the Racky Podcast Network oh, itself. See, so I, I don't have, have a the... separate page, yeah. And then, oh. um, yeah, they also are, you're also on Instagram, correct? Oh, yeah. I, I forget about that. Yeah, I'm under there as West Sea Photo. Okay. Yeah, people should definitely check out your photography. You're pretty good yeah. at it. And oh, you're, you're coming up with your uh, fun little calendar idea for the Christmas season. So, oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, body positive it, calendar. Yeah. I mean, antenna poses. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's one of them, but you have, you have several yeah. other yeah I, I have a few i collected the photo i didn't, haven't been able to do so much this past year with people and stuff so i don't have a whole lot of new stuff to make calendars out of so i had to offer like some, i i sold quite a few but not everybody bought one so if they buy the ocean one now for instance they didn't have that one last year so well on that note i would like to wrap this up and say goodbye Thank you for listening to the Fangirl Hour. If you would like to geek out with us on the Fangirl Hour, please email us at cafegirlproductions at gmail.com. Thank you especially to our Cafe Girl Superstar patrons, Kathy Anderson, David Anderson, Dorothy Ninau, and David Glamour Dave Ninau. If you want to find out more about Cafe Girl Productions, head on over to www.cafegirlproductionsinc.com. If you want to support us, head on over to www.patreon.com slash cafegirlproductions. The opening theme song includes segments from the TV shows Night Court, Beverly Hills 90210, Saturday Night Live, The Simpsons, and Doctor Who. The final theme song includes that of my favorite song by songwriters with a z and that is from gemendo.com thank you very much bye